Hello, this is Robert Rickover. I'm an Alexander Technique teacher in Lincoln, Nebraska. I also teach in Toronto, Canada. And my guest today is Bob Leda, who's an Alexander Technique teacher in the Boston area. And we're right. going to talk today, hi to you, we're going to talk today about uh, working with musicians, uh, both from the point of view of someone who is a musician, who is considering taking Alexander lessons, and maybe a little bit for teachers, uh, maybe some ideas we have that might help teachers who are teaching musicians. Hmm. Uh, Bob, welcome to the show. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Well, it's I, it's always fun talking to you. I'll tell yes, you that. Um, could you could you give our listeners just a short description of the Alexander technique? Sure. For me, where we work, the Alexander technique is how you do what you do, mm -hmm. and who you are when you do it, and how can you, as a student, explore all of this and grow into your potential. Right, and certainly playing a musical instrument or singing uh, is something that musicians do. They do. And they, do, and they often do a lot of it mm -hmm. during the course mm -hmm. of a day. And they often do it under some pretty dramatic pressures like, uh, Certainly professional musicians are held to a very high standard. And if you screw up in an orchestra, that's not good, right? Stuff right. like that. And also just the, the, the time demands of it, the practice hours, the teaching hours, the performance hours. Mm. And so. the practice and teaching and playing environments. You know, you oh, yeah. rooms that are this not big, good always. Sounds yeah. filtering in from all the place, all over Working the place. Working in an orchestra know. pit, crowded, yeah. or uh, often having to share music stands, not having uh, comfortable chairs. I mean, it's it's a tough profession. Yes. And it's not surprising that a very high percentage of professional musicians end up playing in pain. There have been studies. To that effect well at where uh, i work at berkeley college of music in boston we did a survey about uh 10 years ago uh and a survey around pain and one of the questions was have you ever been unable to practice or unable to perform uh because of pain and almost 80 percent of the students and faculty said yes you know, so Berkeley put together some initiatives to try to address that beforehand rather than reacting afterwards. That's very consistent with a, a, a big study that was done maybe 10 years ago by some professional organization of musicians. I think their number was like 84%. Yeah, so it's, it's a yeah, very yeah. high number. And it's not something that I, I've noticed that it's not something that musicians like to talk about. And... Mm -hmm. In uh, the, when I've taught in uh, academic environments, teaching music students, and there would be professors there, they don't really want to hear this, or they certainly don't want to talk about it. It's a kind of a dirty little secret almost. Well, it's tough because if you can't play, there's 10 people in line behind you. 
you know yeah. and so it's a choice of either playing through pain and mm -hmm. uh, trying to accommodate it or, or you may not get that next job it's, it's so right. because it's a very uh, competitive environment where the supply really outstrips the demand very much so yeah so for a musician who may be experiencing some of that or or isn't now but knows people who have and don't want to be in that situation what does the alexander technique offer them fortunately that's in the how you do what you do <laughs> yeah and who you are when you do it yeah. i think what um alexander work um really offers um, is that yes there's a technique to it but it's not the technique they're using to learn to play their instrument so they can improve uh, without being threatened so much uh, mm -hmm. one of the things I do uh, at the beginning of my group classes that I teach is show a film of a variety of musicians playing they all look different in the way they play they all move differently and they're all with one exception because i had to had to throw one in there they're all well-known and excellent musicians so mm -hmm. it's not mm -hmm. one size fits all you can build on what you've already got rather than trying to throw it away and learn something else you know we're trying to just get out of the way get out of the way get out of the way and let uh our innate uh, skills come through yeah i do think that some some musicians are hesitant because they as in a sense have a technique that they've learned and here someone comes along who may not even be a musician in my yeah, case right. uh, i don't know about you i'm uh, not i always run away from me so yeah i mean <laughs> i have uh i am as far from being a musician as it's possible to be so why should i learn a technique from someone that's not even a musician if i've already got this technique for playing the violin or whatever i do yeah and, yeah. yeah well here's what i say to like i have college students right yeah and the, the way i answer that kind of question is do you play the same way you did when you were 12 years old and they say, of course not, right? Because you grow right. You did something then. Now you do something different now. And I guarantee you five years from now, you're going to do something different again as you uh, grow and evolve. And Alexander work can really help you in that evolution. You know, and yeah. they seem to be comfortable with that. And it's not that the Alexander technique negates their techniques for playing it's a kind of it's a it addresses more how they how they apply those techniques they've learned mm -hmm. how they do it uh and and you know and the other thing that i think is is helpful to explain to me to musicians that and i'm thinking here um instrumentalists partic yeah. in particular that there are really two instruments in the room there's the violin or the cello or the flute or whatever but then there's you uh, yeah. you're an instrument and of those two instruments the one that's not going to change 
is the is the instrument it's mm. just there it doesn't have the ability to change itself but you have quite a bit bit of ability to change how you function yeah the phrase i used like to use of that on that i'm glad you reminded me is how you use yourself as an instrument to play your instrument yeah you know that really rings home to them right because you you are the instrument that's yeah. playing the instrument and yeah. of course we're more than just an instrument we're all sorts of other things but you know a musician uses their arms and and their breathing and so on to play their breath to play and that's a kind of an instrumental activity you might yeah. say yeah and uh, the if you abstract it back mm -hmm. They're moving in space at particular times. Mm -hmm. You know, that's really what the production of music is all about. And we can work with movement. Mm -hmm. We can work with their sense of space. Mm -hmm. We can work with their sense of time. Mm -hmm. And we can work with how that gets put together so that their musicality can come out. On a very mundane level, um, it's to take the extra energy they use to keep themselves upright, liberate that, and let it go rather than into staying upright into, into their artistic expression. And the changes happen very quickly. You know, and what's great about teaching this in group classes, they're so sensitive to sound, they can hear it. <clears throat> You know, yeah. and it may not believe that it happened, but they can hear it. And so mm -hmm. that usually uh, brings them in for further things. Right, right. Now, maybe we should talk a little bit about singers as a, mm. a group that uh, I, I did an interview years ago with uh, someone I'm sure, you know, Ariel Weiss. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. We have Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. And she made a comment that. I, I've never forgotten because she works with singers a lot. Mm -hmm. I think at the Curtis Institute. Yeah, down in Philadelphia. There. Yeah. And she said, um, we were talking about people in general and musicians among them not having a really good idea of how their body functions just on a mechanical level and mm -hmm. structural level. And she, she said, and I said, well, I thought, I thought working with instrumentalists was in some ways a little easier because they don't necessarily have a lot of preconceived ideas and they're, they're more willing to, to change internally, um, to, 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 to experiment with different ways of using themselves. And she said, yeah, they tend not to have any pre as many preconceived ideas about what they have to do to play or they're willing to change she said musicians in general have that except she said for singers who have mm -hmm. all kinds of interesting ideas about what they have to do and then she said and mostly incorrect yeah that's a real chicken and egg thing you yeah know? It's yeah do the ideas come from the interpretation of their experience Mm -hmm. You know, which came first, all of that. One of the really um, practical demonstrations I use for singers for breathing is I'm going to step back a little bit. Mm -hmm. So they, they'll never get what the diaphragm does. But the diaphragm, when you inhale, drops down. Mm -hmm. 
so you have that down that motion but mm -hmm. your ribs complement that by doing the opposite mm -hmm. so i have people pair off doing this and that so they just see the um expansion contraction expansion contraction that uh happens uh when uh you know one sings or one's one speaks or anything else and that one's usually a real eye opener you know mm -hmm. they have there's a lot of strange ideas about exactly what's happening um in their torso so right exactly yeah go ahead well and and various ideas about breathing that uh abdominal breathing and this and that and and a lot of it is really not based on the reality of what's actually going on mm, and yeah, so as yeah. i as ariel pointed out that's a, a little obstacle to overcome when one of the things i've noticed uh, perhaps more with singers than instrumentalists is that when you do help them in their singing and um out comes a often a more resonant, stronger, better, better sound that anyone in the room, except me maybe, because I'm not that musical, but in a group will say, wow, that's, that's really wonderful. It's not uncommon for the person who actually did that to think, ah, that's not legitimate singing. I'm not right. doing the effort i mean what's going on i think is they're not creating the little effort pattern that they think they need in order to produce uh, sound right and yeah that's that really would, one of um, yeah. alexander's insights um <laughs> that uh that he used where you're sort of anticipating the effort necessary to perform an action Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you can imagine uh, picking up a suitcase you think is really heavy. Yeah. And so you, you know, brace yourself for it. And all of a sudden there's nothing in there. It's like, what did I do? Right. right. You know, so, but there's, uh, I think this is a really deep one, Robert, that you're, that you're talking about here. Um, there's something very comforting about feeling that effort. Mm -hmm. Ah, I'm working hard. This is good. Ah, I can feel this this is good i know where i am and so when that um drops away uh it can be very scary uh it can be very disorienting it, it uh, definitely me. and of course that's yeah. true for all st alexander students to some yeah. extent but when yeah. someone has so much invested in that activity yeah then it, it it's it's even it's even um a bigger a bigger yes no it's a bigger and you oh, have absolutely. to you have to address it and right. and you you know they have to go at their own pace they have to they can't you can't really ask them to shed everything no. in one lesson or two i mean it's uh, no it's unwise it, it's it unwise. would not be I mean, a good idea yeah no yeah. you need everybody needs time to adapt yeah. to their uh, newer circumstances mm -hmm. and uh singing um particularly uh is i think a really exposed um profession and mm -hmm. you really have to face yourself in order to find that uh, pure and complete sound 
And so we have to be, I, I believe, tremendously supportive mm -hmm. and willing to let them go back and protect and do all the things that they have to do, mm -hmm. you know, and then just try again, try again, try again. Yeah. You know, one more thing that maybe be worth talking about, um, many musicians uh, or music students uh, spend huge amounts of time practicing the same piece over and over again. Yeah. And um, I mean, some of that um, is, is necessary to, to learn the basic stuff, but a lot of times what the practice seems to do is just uh, dig in or reinforce whatever yeah. harmful habits they're doing. And I've, I've noticed that when students start to learn how to uh, take charge of themselves with Alexander ideas, using Alexander directions, for example, as they're playing, that they can get to the same level or even a better level with fewer hours of practice. I, yeah. I've, I've had some, some older students who had families who sim were, were, were taking, you know, getting a bachelor's or master's in music mm -hmm. and who did not have the time. There was no way they could put in the amount of hours that their colleagues were. It just it was impossible. Yeah. But because of the Air Alexander training, they ended up doing, in many cases, better. So there is that practice time. And uh, I think what the Alexander technique can help is introduce a quality aspect to that. So it's not just quantity of repetition of playing a song, but how do you actually um, change your thinking to improve the quality of what you're doing? Because yeah, ultimately, I, I, that's the purpose of the practice. Yeah, I, I think also um, is uh, Alexander work is tremendously beneficial if you're using visualization. Mm -hmm. you know, rather than uh, physical practice, mm -hmm. uh, which people who are squeezed for time uh, can use a lot. Mm -hmm. And you can visualize yourself playing whatever the piece is mm -hmm. and at the same time sense all that might be happening mm -hmm. and then apply whatever technique works uh, for you. You know, directions can be uh, one of those while you're doing the visualization. Mm -hmm. Then when yes. it comes to time, you actually come to the instrument or come to actually singing, there'll be a change. There'll mm -hmm. be a change, a change you can yeah. embrace. You know? yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. Anything else you want to add for um, the teach teachers or musicians? Yeah, yeah there, there's one. One thing I run into a lot, and I, I think you have to be comfortable with, is many musicians identify uh, themselves with how they're playing. So if I play badly, I'm a bad person. If I play well, I'm a good person. Yeah. If that person over there plays really well, they're better than me. You know, and so to um, make that not quite so tightly coupled, mm -hmm. you know, I think... Um, there's a direct correlation between how easy you are with your head and your spine mm 
-hmm. and how willing you are to be not quite so, you know, bound up by all of that. Mm -hmm. So it's um, a serious thing. And musicians, especially the ones in school, because I'm in a music school, uh, can lose track of why they're playing. You know, mm -hmm. they forget the joy they got from it in the first place. Mm -hmm. You know, they're so wrapped up in all the details. And so anything we can do to um, have them be more in touch with that joy, uh, I, I think is a great thing. Yeah. Well, this would be a good place to end our conversation. Okay. So, well, thank you, th well, thank you Bob. <laughs> my, my guest today has been Bob Leda, an Alexander Technique teacher in the Boston area. And uh, it's been great talking to you. It's been fun. Hello, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. You can always get a hold of me. Robert will tell you the way. Yep, I will. <laughs>